Well, happy Father's Day to everyone that's here. Yeah, happy Father's Day to, to everybody. And I'd like us to begin with a short video about Father's Day. It's called A Broader Perspective on Father's Day. So let's watch. Let me try again. There we go. Today is a special day, and it's bigger than we think. Because there are many different kinds of fathers, and they all need to be recognized and honored today. Today, we honor those fathers who consistently strive to balance loving their wives and children with being good, godly workers at their jobs. May you feel the pleasure of God. Today, we honor those dads who had poor fathers themselves, but who have committed never to become the father they grew up under. May your children continue to be guarded from any of the hurt you carry. Today, we honor the fathers who are older and who no longer have day-to-day -day obligations to their own children. May the family gatherings this weekend make you feel like you could do it all over again. Today, we honor the adult children of fathers who are absent. May the God of the fatherless become your father in ways you've only dreamed of. And may you believe with your whole heart that his leaving wasn't your fault. Today, we honor men who have no children of their own, but who father younger men as mentors and guides. May you see your important roles as impacting and life-changing. And finally today, we honor fathers who have passed away. May their good deeds live on through you and may their careless deeds be corrected in your lifetime. Today is a special day. So for all the fathers we mentioned and even those we didn't, be honored, be blessed and be joyful. We believe that you have what it takes to change the world and you're doing it one relationship at a time. Happy Father's Day. So being a father is a great responsibility, but it's also an awesome privilege. We're going to talk today, I've entitled it, When It Seems Hopeless. Well, there may be times in the life of a father when the situation does seem hopeless, and I believe that God wants to bring hope into our lives today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going to face in the future, that there is hope with Jesus that you never need to give up. Ephesians 3, verse 14, and you can follow along the outline in the middle of the uh, bulletin. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. And so when we begin to think today about what being a father means, we need to look to the example of our heavenly father in heaven. And so as fathers, we need to seek to follow his example. We need to seek to follow the way he deals with his children. That's how we should raise and treat our children as well. 
There's a lot of instructions in the Bible about being a father. We're going to look at a couple of them as we begin the message today. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so fathers are to use discipline. They're to use instruction as they raise their children. Now, this discipline and instruction aren't just things that we are to make up in our own heads. They are to be based and founded on God's word, the Bible. Discipline is meant to discourage wrong behavior. That's important. Instruction, on the other hand, is, is to encourage and, to, um, and reward right behavior. And so those two things together are what helps us to raise godly children. It's the same way that God deals with us as his children. Discipline and instruction. Now, the most essential task that any father can accomplish or seek to accomplish for his children is to lead each and every child that God blesses you with to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is your most important task. And then, as our children get saved, we are to seek to help them to grow in the Lord, to take the steps of a believer to be water baptized, to be spirit baptized, and to continue to grow in their knowledge and fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. And so this verse, this proverb, is written to fathers. And so in order to bring up godly children, a father needs to have a strong relationship with his heavenly father. That's the only thing that's going to work. In Proverbs, having that relationship with God is often spoke of having the fear of the Lord. When a father is walking in the fear of the Lord, he's going to have a strong confidence. He's going to know that God is with him. He's going to know that God is helping him raise his children for the Lord. And the promise in this verse is that the father who fears the Lord will have children who have a refuge. His children will be protected. His children will be following in his example. Now the responsibility of a father continues even after his children leave the home. The father of adult children can continue to bring blessing into his children's lives through prayer, through counsel, through support. And so today we're going to learn from an example in God's word of what to do as a father when things seem hopeless. When you don't know what to do. When you're not sure what's going to happen with your children or in your own life. But whenever something may seem hopeless to us, God has a plan. God has a way forward. Nothing is impossible with him. So we need to seek Jesus when it seems hopeless. Our story today begins in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. So Jesus had just returned... From the other side of the Sea of Galilee, at the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he had, Galilee, he had set a demonized man free from a, a legion of demons. We talked about that last Sunday. 
And now he had sailed back across the sea. He was getting out of the boat. And as he did, he was greeted by a crowd of people. By this time in Jesus' ministry, the news of his healing of people, delivering people from demonic power, had spread. And crowds were gathering, both to hear him teach and to be healed of the things that were afflicting them. Verse 41, there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. Now when Jesus had crossed the Sea of Galilee, a demonized man fell at his feet, if you remember. Uh, but this is a different person. This person is not possessed by demons. This is a, a leader a ruler in the synagogue, an important person. History tells us that at this time there was a new synagogue that had been built in the town of Capernaum where Jesus was, and this guy was the leader, the ruler of this synagogue. He was an important person. But he also was in a hopeless situation. And so he came to seek Jesus' help. Now Jairus didn't just come up to Jesus and say, hey, I got something to ask of you. He fell at his feet. He, it says that he begged, he implored Jesus with his request. He begged him to immediately leave this vast crowd that was surrounding Jesus, waiting on him to leave the crowd and journey to his house. And so we see both humility of Jairus falling at Jesus' feet and boldness to ask Jesus a very Kind of intrusive request. Leave everything you're doing. Leave all these hundreds of people and come meet my need. So what was Jairus' hopeless situation? What made him come to seek Jesus in such a way? Well, it tells us in the next verse, for he had, Jairus had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Well, there's a heartbreaking story, isn't it? He was a father of only one child. And this child was a, a girl, a daughter. And she was very sick. In fact, they knew that she was dying. Time was of the urgency. If there was any delay in getting help, they tried everything. They, doctors could do nothing. If, if Jesus didn't come, this girl would die. And so he was there imploring Jesus, come at once. We need your help. We believe you can do something for my daughter. Will you come? A truly hopeless situation for, their, for this father. Jairus had no other path to take. There was nothing else he knew to do. If nothing was done, the situation was very grim. So what can we as fathers today learn from Jairus' example of, of seeking God in what seemed to be a hopeless situation? Let's first think about the children we may have living at home, as Jairus had a daughter living in his home. What kind of hopeless situations might we face with our own children living in the home? Well, first of all, the obvious one from here is some type of health issue or some type of sickness or something along that line. 
Doctors cannot cure every disease. We know that. They couldn't back then. They still can't today. We need to seek Jesus' help. The salvation of our children is something we should also be seeking God's help on a daily basis. Perhaps some children, it seems to be easy for them to give their hearts to the Lord. Others may be a bit more resistant. And we need God's help in that. And even when they've made a decision for the Lord, we need to continually seek God to help our children grow in the ways of God. To protect our children from the pull of the world around them. To pull them away from God into various ungodly behavior. Children today can be tempted with all kinds of things, perhaps that didn't even exist years ago, to pull them away from God. Things in the media, things with friends, other types of things. And we as fathers must do battle for our children. Battle in the prayer closet, battle in the things that we teach them, battle in every aspect of their lives to protect them. I believe fathers are called to be warriors for God. And oftentimes, your children may not see the battle that you do for them. But God sees. And God will answer your prayers. Seek Jesus even when it seems hopeless. Never, ever give up on your children. Next, touch Jesus when it seems hopeless. Let's move on to the next verse. As Jesus went, so he began to leave the crowd, travel with Jairus to Jairus' home. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she, was, she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So Jesus began to walk with Jairus to Jairus' home, the crowd seemed to follow along. They continued to press around him. And in that crowd was a woman who had this long-term problem of bleeding of some sort condition. Isn't it interesting? She had that condition for 12 years. When did it begin? It began 12 years ago when Jairus' daughter was born. Both happened 12 years ago. She spent all her money on doctors, but nobody could heal her condition. They didn't know what to do. And so this woman was in another hopeless situation. There was nothing more she could do on her own. All her money was gone. Not only was the condition painful, it also made her unclean by the Old Testament law. She was bleeding. And when you are considered unclean, that means you shouldn't be around other people. In fact, if anyone touched you, they became unclean and would have to make sacrifices to cleanse that uncleanness. And so she was shunned, kind of like lepers were shunned in that day. And so here she was. She wasn't supposed to be out in public. She wasn't supposed to be touching anyone. And here she was, forcing her way through the crowd in the middle of a crowd, trying to get close to Jesus. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, her discharge of blood stopped, ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And so we have this sickly, I would say probably weak woman. If you're bleeding all the time, you're probably weak. 
And somehow, she pushed her way through this massive crowd around Jesus until she got close to him. I would think there were probably people who knew her, who were saying, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be out in public. Don't touch me. Stay away from me. You're unclean. I suspect she was facing all kinds of opposition in her quest to get close to Jesus. And when she was close, she came up behind him. She reached out and touched one of the tassels on the bottom fringe of his garment. And as she touched that robe, immediately she felt the flow of blood stopping in her body. Immediately, the pain went away. And Jesus asked the question, who touched me? Everyone around denied it. And Peter, of course, who else but Peter? Uh, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. It's like Peter's saying, everybody's touching you. Why do you say that? But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. And so Jesus was being touched by dozens of people or even more in the crowd around who are pressing around to get close to him. And so his question made no sense to Peter at all. But Jesus explained that the touch that he was talking about was a unique touch. It was a touch unlike all the other touches that were surrounding him. A touch that was different because the power of the Holy Spirit had been released through that touch. The power of the Holy Spirit had instantly healed this woman of her hopeless situation. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And so the woman heard Jesus' question, who has touched me? And she knew it referred to her. And so she came forward. And she gave a God story. Doesn't call it a God story, but she gave a story of what God had done in her life. She told the condition she had been in. She told about her faith and getting close to Jesus, reaching out and touching him. And she told how Jesus, the power that came from Jesus, had healed her, the power of the Holy Spirit. And what did Jesus call this woman? He called her daughter. I believe that meant that Jesus considered her a child of the Heavenly Father. A daughter. She was a child of God. And he said that her faith had made her well. She reached out in faith. She believed in her mind that if she could just touch Jesus' robe that she would be healed. And when she touched the robe, she was healed. The word in the Greek language that's translated here in this, in this translation, made you well, is the word sozo. And it literally means saved. It can also mean healed. I think here it means both. They have a hard time translating both of them at one, one place, so they just used made well. But I believe she was saved through her faith. And she was healed physically as well. She had not been at peace before. She'd been in anguish. 
And now Jesus said, go in peace. She touched Jesus when it seemed hopeless. So let's think a little bit more about the principles that we've learned from this story of this woman with a hopeless situation and apply it to the lives of fathers today. You know, it's one thing to pray about a hopeless situation, but it's quite another to reach out in faith as this woman did. This woman did not reach out and say, you know, I'm going to touch your robe. I don't know if anything's going to happen or not, but I'm going to just give it a go. No, she reached out in faith, believing if she touched, she would be healed. She didn't say, I'm going to touch Jesus' robe, and if it's God's will, he's going to heal me. No, she said, if I touch that robe, I will be healed. That is faith. So it's one thing to pray, but God wants us to come to the position where we have the faith to believe that as we pray, God is going to answer. The answer is going to come. A prayer that reaches out to touch Jesus in faith is a prayer that believes that God will answer the prayer. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that is the kind of bold and courageous faith that fathers need in, for their own lives. It's sad to read stories of fathers who have shipwrecked their lives in one way or another. Because not only does it impact their own lives, it severely impacts their children as well. It has extremely negative consequences for their children. And so a father must keep his relationship with God strong. A father must keep his relationship with God as his first priority in his life in order to lead his children to do the same. A father who is reaching out to touch Jesus in faith is going to raise up children who will do the same. They're going to reach out to touch Jesus in faith. And of course, the opposite is true as well. Children follow their father's example. A father who does not seek God will not be able to raise up children who do seek God. It's not enough for a father simply to bring his children to church, although that's a good thing, for sure. A father must be an example to his children as a follower of Jesus all through the week as well, not just on Sundays. Touch Jesus when it seems hopeless. And finally, believe Jesus when it seems hopeless. Verse 49, while he was still speaking, this is Jesus, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. So let's think for a minute about what was going on here. Jairus was probably frantic. He needed Jesus to come to his house. His daughter was dying. There wasn't a minute, not a second to be wasted. And here Jesus was dealing with a woman with a disease that had been going on for 12 years and she wasn't going to die, right? 
They could go on for another 12 years. She was in pain. It was a difficult situation, but it was not a deadly situation. And here Jesus was talking to her, and he was not coming to his house as quickly as he wanted. But now the worst news came. In Jairus' mind, because of Jesus' delay, it was now too late. The daughter had died. And the messenger that came said, it's over. She's dead, nothing can be done. It's hopeless. But Jesus turned to Jairus and he said, do not fear, only believe. And she will be well. Everything that Jesus says is very significant and sometimes we don't think about what Jesus said enough. In this case, he says, do not fear, only believe. You see, fear and faith cannot coexist. If you're afraid, you can't be in faith. If you're in faith, you're not going to be afraid. And this was not a suggestion by Jesus to Jairus. He's commanding him. He's saying, do not fear. Now, why does, why does Jesus or angels tell people do not fear? Because they're fearing. Jairus is thinking, oh, she's dead. It's lost. I'm afraid there's nothing can be done. He was filled with fear and anguish. And Jesus said, don't fear. Put away fear and choose to believe. You see, everything that Jesus commands us to do, we can do with his help, as impossible as it may seem. And as we go through this story, I, I believe we're going to see that Jairus obeyed Jesus' instructions. Fear destroys faith, but faith destroys fear. And so Jesus challenged Jairus to believe. And his daughter, although dead, physically dead, would be healed. Verse 51, And when he came to the house, when Jesus came to Jairus' house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And so Jesus removed from the house all those who had no faith. All of the people that she's dead, that's it. That was everybody except a couple of Jesus' closest disciples and the mother and the father. The disciples were there to believe with Jesus and to learn to do what Jesus did. He was training them. Now Jesus spoke to the mourners and said, this girl is not dead, she's, she's simply sleeping. Now, Jesus did not mean the girl was not physically dead. She was dead. We see multiple places. And they knew what a dead person was back then. Uh, you stop breathing, your heart stops beating, you're dead. She had been dead for some time by the time Jesus got there. But Jesus was saying that she would be brought back just as a sleeping person awakens from sleep. That is how she would be brought back to life. What did the people think of Jesus saying such a thing? And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. A lot of people had seen her. She was dead as they come. 
But taking her by the hand, Jesus taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. That means her spirit had left. She was dead. And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. Those who had no faith laughed at Jesus, laughed at those who had faith. For them, death was final. This was a hopeless situation. There was no hope. But those who had faith knew that nothing was impossible with Jesus. Jesus commanded the girl to arise. And her spirit, which had left her on death, returned to her, and she came back to life, and she got up. Jesus instructed she needed to be given something to eat. She'd been sick, obviously, for a long time, and she was very weak. She needed something to eat to strengthen her. Jairus had obeyed Jesus' instruction. He had chosen not to fear. He'd chosen to believe in a hopeless situation, and he received a miracle. His daughter was raised from the dead. So now let's think about this point and how that applies for fathers whose children have left the home and perhaps had grandchildren. There may be times when children are away from the home, you're tempted to fear. Or even with grandchildren, for one reason or another, you're tempted to fear what may be happening to them or what may happen to them in the future. And when children are gone from your home, you can't speak to them as you did when they were in your home. You don't see them each and every day. And yet we must learn as fathers to believe and not fear. It's easy to worry. It's easy to be anxious. But we need to believe to not fear. We have a responsibility for our children and grandchildren even when they're not living with us. And our responsibility is not to fear, not to worry, not to be anxious, but to believe. Our daily prayers for those children are essential for their protection, physically and spiritually. And even if some may wander from God for a period of time, our prayers can bring them back to God. And those who are walking with God can be strengthened by a father's prayers. And as you pray, God will give you perhaps words to speak into their lives, counsel to give, words to speak faith, words to speak God's truth. Do not fear, only believe when it seems hopeless. And so God wants on this Father's Day, each father listening to know that Your heavenly father is with you as a father. He is our example. He is the one that we are to follow. And even though there may be things in your life or in your children's lives or even your grandchildren's lives that may seem difficult or even some things that seem hopeless to overcome from a natural viewpoint, with Jesus, nothing is impossible. With Jesus, nothing is hopeless. And so seek Jesus daily in prayer. Pray in faith. Remember, do not fear. And and worry is a form of fear. Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Do not fear. 
Even when you cannot see a way through, even when you cannot see the solution, Jesus has a way forward for those children or for you as well. Even though things may seem impossible to you, nothing is impossible for God. Replace fear, worry, and anxiety with faith. God wants to give you as a father a faith that can move mountains, a faith that can bring the dead back to life. Be encouraged this Father's Day as fathers. God is with you. And of course, all this message applies to moms too and everybody else. So you just put your name in there and it all applies to you too. To become a believer, a follower of Jesus, to receive hope in your life for this life and for eternity, you need to do three things. First of all, you need to repent. To repent is to turn away from living life the way you want to live it, a life of sin, to turn away from that sin and turn to living life God's way. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sin might be forgiven. He rose from the dead. And you submit your life to him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray. I'd encourage you to pray along with me if you'd like to pray this prayer for the first time. If you're listening online, you can do this as well. Or you wish to recommit your life to Jesus. So let's pray. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I turn away from the sin in my life. I turn away from making up my own plans for my life. And I turn to you. I want to follow your plan for my life. I believe that Jesus came and died on the cross that my sins might be paid for and forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I submit my life to you as my Lord to follow your way all the days of my life. And let's pray as well. Father, today on this Father's Day, we pray for your hand of blessing on each and every father represented here and who's listening to this message. We pray that you would be with them. Even though some things in their lives may seem hopeless, God, we pray that you would give them hope through these examples in your word this morning. Give them hope and faith for the children that are living in their homes. Teach each Father God, we pray, to reach out and touch you in faith, putting away worry, fear, anxiety, and believing in faith for the things that you have, both for their lives and for their children's lives. Help them to believe that you have a way forward, that you have a plan. Even for after the children leave the home, even after they start homes of their own, even for the grandchildren, that you have a plan and that help them to know that they as fathers have a role to play through prayer and counsel and support. We pray that each father would take that responsibility on their shoulders and be a warrior for you doing battle 
for their immediate family and for their extended family as well. Now we're going to have a a time of healing prayer and the scripture we have today is from Malachi 4.6. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And so we see how important fathers are even to a country. Let's pray. Father, we pray, God, for fathers across this nation today. Fathers in this church family, the fathers in St. Louis, and the fathers across America. There are so many things in which the hearts of the fathers and children have been turned away from one another. And in so doing, they've turned their hearts away from you. And our country is being destroyed because of the lack of godly fathers. We pray, God, that you would fulfill this prophecy to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. That families would be restored. That families would once again follow their heavenly Father. That revival would come to this land as you restore families. Help us, God, to be examples in our families and to help others who are struggling in theirs. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.